All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going we're gonna, to uh, leave heaven this morning, and then we're going to leave heaven and move into the heavenly places. So we're gonna, we've been studying heaven. We've been looking at it. We've seen uh, the, actually we started by looking at the glory plan of the Father, and that's what got all this started. And so we looked at kind of the details of all of this in reverse and uh, we, we looked at uh, heaven, we've seen the city, we've, uh, we're started, we're going to do, a, here you are, where your spiritual history begins is when you come to Calvary. When you trust Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, that's when your history begins, really. Uh, and as you're going along life's narrow way, if you were to die, 2 Corinthians 5, verse number 8 we are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. The moment that you die, you move into the third heaven, into the throne room. And in that throne room, you are entering into where Jesus Christ is. And you're moving into his presence. This morning is going to be a lot of review, just kind of get everything back because... Next week, we're going to move into the heavenly places. And when we move into the heavenly places, we're going to begin to see the work we're going to be doing and stuff like that and some creatures and different things that are going on there. Because right now, those heavenly places are there and they are occupied by creatures, uh, weird-looking things, okay? And uh, seraphims and teraphims and, and uh, unicorns and elephants and big stuff and little things and all this stuff that's out there, that when you begin to look at them, you and I are going to replace all of that. And when that happens, uh, which is at the judgment seat and the presentation and so forth, uh, we're, we're going to get there. We've seen the heaven. We've, we're absent from the body, and we are present with the Lord. And the Lord is present right now, and His presence, come over with me to Revelation chapter 4, is in His city. And we've talked about the issue that there's a third heaven. The first heaven is here on earth, and the second heaven is that out, out, outer space out there, the dark, starry sky, and, and the cosmos out there. We call it the universe. That's what all of this is. And we went into, in, into the city, uh, Revelation 21 and so forth, that new Jerusalem that is going to come in, and we, and we begin to look at the, 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 the city and, and, and heaven and where we're at, and we begin to see that the environment of the third heaven is identical to the environment that we're in right now without sin, without the bondage and the curse and, and the potmark of sin. And when you go into the throne room, which is Revelation 4, and, and we saw the city, we saw the environment, we saw why heaven and earth in, in, environmentally are, very, are, the, are similar, if not the same, and that's because God created the earth, Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and when he created the earth, he created it for a place for him to come and dwell with his creation. There's a, there's a big misunderstanding out there in creation, talk and discussion, that when God made man, he made man as a robot, and that God preordained and prefixed the roadmap for humanity. And, and you get off into the theology of Calvinism and everything, and that's just not the case. 
God made his creation, specifically mankind, with a free will, with volition, with the ability to make decisions for yourself, but then also to be accountable for those decisions. And what man has tried since Adam and Eve fault has tried to do is to circumvent the accountability part. They want the free will to make the decisions. They just don't want the consequences from their decisions. And, and we understand that. If you look, spend any time in Romans 1, if you spend any time talking to lost people, I encourage you to do that, by the way, because you then real quickly understand that it isn't going to matter who's elected in November because it's all on a slippery, slippery slope down the hill. <laughs> going right down the hill, and it isn't going to, all you can do is maybe slow it down a little bit, but it's still going. Why? Because man is man. Last week we talked about Independence Day, and, it, and our Independence Day starts at Calvary. Man's man. Man's going to do what man wants to do. He's been doing it since day two, since after the fall, okay? And the problem is, is that we get sucked into that and we need to understand the, the different things. So we saw that God made the creation similar, a place where he could then come and dwell and to habitate and to manifest his glory, his glorious attributes, who he is with his creation. So he doesn't make, create, did not make creation to just walk around and just mindlessly be a robot, but rather to willingly want to worship and be with him. Okay? We saw in, in there, we went into the throne room. He, Revelation 4 here, verse 1. After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. What's there? There's a door. We understand what a door is. And the first voice which I heard was, as it were, of a trumpet, talking with me, which say, come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the Spirit, and, before a th and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. We understand what a throne is. One, the physical appearance of it, but then two, the, the fact that it represents authority in governing and ruling. And we see down in verse 3, and he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone, and there was a rainbow round about the throne in the sight, uh, in, in, in sight like unto an emerald, and round about the throne were four and twenty seats. Well, first of all, you've got all of the gems. There's twelve stones there. You've got the rainbow. You've got all of this going on that you and I are very familiar with. There are seats. You're sitting in a seat. You've got seats. You understand that. They're sitting there, uh, I saw uh, verse 4, and upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting clothed in white raiment. They had on their head crowns of gold. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices, and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And behold, the throne where there was a sea of glass like unto crystal. Isn't that interesting? All of that description, we're all very familiar with it. We understand it. We understand what that is. So we, we begin to see that. We saw the city. The city's got streets of gold. It's got, it's got gates. It's got foundations. It's got a roof on it. It's got all these. It, each gate is a pearl, a pearl. Where does a pearl come from? It comes from an oyster. 
It comes out there, and the, so there's fishing. There's fishery that's going on, okay? A pearl is a living thing. It's not a dead thing. The, the star, the, the, all of the stones here that um, are listed, all of that comes out of the ground. It requires gem, uh, gemologists to go in, dig, and do it. it takes craftsmen to work them and put them together. We went out into the countryside, and we saw the corn, the, the manna, the, corn, the angel's food that requires farming. It requires people to go out. The, the white linen, the fine linen here, and the white raiment, and the linens. The, a linen comes from a flax plant. You got cotton. You got all this farming industry. So you got to go out and get it. We were talking Wednesday night uh, about picking cotton back in the day, and they had to pick it by hand and had to deseed it by hand. It couldn't, didn't have a gin to run it to. And all that, you know what? You got all of that going on. You've got all of that farming industry going on. We saw about Elijah and Elisha where he peels back the heavens and there's horses and chariots. And the horse, now their flesh is fire. It's a spirit horse. But the horses are there and the chariots. And you've got all of, all of the animal life. And again, that's, that's ranching and, and all of this that's going on. We're all very familiar with it. We all understand. Paul in in 2 Corinthians 12 there says, in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. You know what he did? He looked down at his hand. He says, man, there's a hand with five fingers on it, and and everything's very familiar. His body was laying down outside of the city of Lystra down there, and he was up in the third heaven, up in paradise, and he says, man, I can't tell the difference here until he began to do what? Hear the speak, the, the word spoken to him. We saw that you won't, you'll recognize people instantly when you go to heaven. You'll know people. You'll, you'll know them without introduction. And the fact that your mind loses this bondage that you have in your, in your mind, the, 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 that movie, Limitless, it was the movie I was thinking about the other day. And the fact is, and, and it's a movie, but the idea is the issue of, of your mind being able to be used and your brain being able to use at 100% capacity and to have knowledge instantly to be able to recognize Paul and Moses and Abraham and, and Adam and Eve and, all, and recognize people instantly that you've never met before in your life. We looked at all of that. That's what heaven's going to be like. No more sorrow, no more grief, no more pain, no more tears. You're sitting in 2 Corinthians, you're still in Revelation, right? Hold on to Revelation 4, okay? 2 Corinthians 5 there, you have that description of the absence from the Lord, and pres- or absent from the body, present with the Lord, and that, that, that holding pattern, if you will, as we wait for something to happen. If you look at verse 8, there's something else, and we just kind of briefed on it real quickly. I want to hit on it this morning and then move on. That is also going to be there in heaven with us. And you see it there in verse 8. And the four beasts, each had each, each of them six wings about him. And they were full of eyes within, and they rest not, notice, day and night saying, Holy, Holy, Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. Do, do you see that they rested not day and night? That's a reference of time. When you're in heaven, there will be time. Okay? 
And I'll be honest with you, without time, we can't experience what's going on. And we've looked at all of this stuff that while you're in heaven, you will know what's going on. You will hear what's being said. We looked over there and we saw Peter, James, and John on the Mount Transfiguration. And who did they see? Jesus, Moses, and Elijah, right? They make those altars. They instantly know, and they know what's going on. And it's the issue of time. And time in eternity is there. Time, the simplest definition that I've ever heard about describing time and defining time is the the transaction of events between two other events, the the distance. How long does it take to go from here to there? And when you come into heaven, when you die and you are in the presence of the Father, of the Lord, you're with him, time is there. But then, and again, you need time so you can experience what's going on. But time in the presence of God is without the bondage and the corruption of the curse. You and I, we look at that clock. I still think somebody messed with it. All right? But what happens? It starts ticking, doesn't it? I had to get up Saturday morning to take Ricky to the airport so he could go to Chicago. I had to be at his house at 3.30 in the morning. You know how long it's been since I've been up since 3.30? About at least six months. <laughs> Do you know what helped? The alarm clock and the big dent in the wall now. <laughs> you know? No, what do you need? Why? You're bound by the time. First time I've ever been to Sky Harbor and I'm the only car in, in the departure section of Terminal 4. I was it. There was nobody else. And then I come down and around and guess there was only two cars downstairs. I'm like, wow, what happened here? You know, well, the experts say that the safest place to travel right now is in an airplane because it's the cleanest. (laughs) Okay. So what does that mean before? You know, wasn't so clean. Okay. You know, but time, you see, in, in eternity, and come with me to Ephesians 3, in eternity, in God's presence, we're going to experience time differently. Because in his presence, time will fully serve God's intended purpose for why he even created time to begin with. And he created it on day one, didn't he? The light and the day and the first... I just had it. How it says it. It's wonderful. And the evening and the morning were the first day. The time, the evening and the morning. And it sets in that 24-hour period of time and what's to happen. But notice Ephesians 3 with me, verse 20. Ephesians 3, verse 20. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus Throughout all ages, notice now, world without end. Amen. Time doesn't change. If I can say it this way, our experience of time changes. Okay? Can I say it that way? Time doesn't change. Time doesn't stop. We live in those dimensions, don't we? Of time and then space. Height, depth, length, breadth, all of that. 
God lives in the same dimensions just outside of the curse. Got to remember the curse. Time doesn't change. The, the calculation of it between one event happening, and you know that by that word in verse 21, ages. You see, eternity, all the ages, throughout all ages, world without end. Eternity is composed of endless ages. And ages, time span. And, and an age, that word age is, 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 a, is a, it's an endless series of time spans. You, and it's used to describe things of, of history. You remember the industrial age. How long did the industrial age run? Do you remember? About 40 years, 50 years. What about the information age? We're still running that bad boy. The agriculture, the farming age. It begins to use ages. The enlightenment age. Back in the, coming out of the, of the dark, uh, dark ages. Why were they dark? Because history says there was no learning. But when you go back and dig into some of our forefathers, there was a lot of learning. There was a lot of stuff that, that, that the church the body of Christ was doing that doesn't show up on the history pages. And one of them was the issue of learning to read and to write and to understand. So when he came out of the dark ages, when the, when the guys were like, hey, we're going to put the Bible in everybody's hands, it wasn't because they were it, ignorant, because they already knew how to read. They just needed the Word of God in that language so they could read it. World without end. World. It's not talking about the planet. Is this world going to end one day? Yeah. It is. The old earth is going to be dissolved away, 2 Peter 3. The new heaven and new earth. So this it's not so world without end would would indicate what? That this old world never ends, but it's going to end. So the issue the use of world here has nothing to do with the planet. It has to do with the series of ages. A series of time spans that are never going to end. And that's really what eternity is all about. Eternity is just going to keep clicking. And it's going to keep moving. And it's going to keep going forward. And the plan and what eternity is going to do, flip back to Ephesians 1, just real quick, verse 17. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory... And that's that glory plan that we talked about several months ago now. That the Father gave birth to. He's the originator of the plan. And the results, the plan is going to result in a complete glorification, verse 10 of chapter 1, of the Son set as the head of the universe. The heavens under his headship and the earth under his headship, all of that governmental structure back where it belongs. And that glory plan begins to work out. And as time goes along, one day that issue of the rapture comes. You're, you and I, if the Lord tarries, <laughs> we're what? Absent from the body and present with the Lord. Right? Then what begins to happen? Well, the Lord himself, remember? Remember? shall descend 
We got the Lord. We got a shout. We got a voice. We've got a trumpet, don't we? We've studied this, folks. 1 Thessalonians 4. There's going to be a meeting in the air. The judgment seat of Christ. You and I are raptured up, resurrected up. Day of redemption. We get a new body. By the way, the dead in Christ shall what? Rise first. So the dead go first. Then those which are alive and remain go up. I'm hoping you're remembering all this. Okay? We go through the judgment seat of Christ. We're taken back up into... By the way, this all happens in the second heaven. We're taken back up into the third heaven. We're presented to the Father. The judgment seat of Christ has analyzed our capacity for service. Service in the government of God. By the way, what's going on down here on the earth? Not good at all. <laughs> the voice, the shout of God, the shout. The dispensation of grace is over. That's the shout. A shout of victory. A shout of, it is finished. The DOG is done. The body of Christ isn't, but the DOG is. The dispensation of grace is done. The voice of the archangel, Michael, stands as the prince of Israel and says, it's time to start Israel's program again. Let's go. Then the trumpet of God, two blows of the trump, one to get the dead up and two to get the, the, um, those that are alive up. That's the last trump. Blows them. Boop, 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 boom, done. Boop, 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 done. I, the, with the Independence Day, uh, there's been a lot of, uh, I don't know if you guys watch the U.S. Navy band. And they play on Facebook and stuff. But they had one uh, on there. It was all but trumpets. Boy, made your, gave you goosebumps, you know. Uh, I had to, I put my earphones on, was listening, because Linda yells at me, I don't hear that. And then, so I was like, I, I had to take them off and jack it up. Why? It sounded, it give you goosebumps. The trumpet's going to blow. Those that are alive and remain shall be changed. And no, corruption puts on incorruption. Mortal puts on immortality. Then, second, uh, 1 Thessalonians 3, he goes in and presents us to the Father. Down here, we're going to have the 70th week of Daniel start with the signing of the covenant with the nation of Israel, between the nation of Israel and the Antichrist. And that covenant's going to run out until the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Before that, prior to that, there's a whole bunch of stuff going on in Daniel 9, 10, and 11, okay? <laughs> Just say it like that, all right? When the, when the Son presents us to the Father, the Son comes back down for the war, where? In heaven, Revelation 12. They clean out the, the earth, the, the satanic adversaries send him to, and then there's the finish of the route to come down. When he comes down, he establishes the kingdom on earth, right? Then we have the thousand years of introduction to the kingdom reign and the binding up of Satan and casting him into the bottomless pit. 
And if for a thousand years, you know what man can't say? What Eve said, the devil made me do it. And what man begins to learn is that the real problem is that they're sinners. That's their problem. Who's sitting on the throne in the kingdom? David. Changing colors. Twelve apostles. Remember the order? We did this. Twelve tribes, right? Out to the Gentiles. Now, this is going on in the thousand years. Lucifer is bound. He's let loose for some time, a little bit of time. Gog and Magog, all that stuff in Revelation, okay? The lightning bolt from heaven comes out. If you think about how Elijah dealt with uh, Baal guys back there and kings and so forth, and, and God sent that boom, it's done, done. Then we have the great white throne judgment where you have death and hell. The sea, bring up the what? They're dead. All of that, the issue of sin is dealt with, is cast down here into the lake of fire. Then we have the new heaven and the new earth. All of that's time. All that's reminder of everything we've done over the last 20 weeks or so, I hope. Okay? We're back over here. And what time begins, you're in Ephesians still. Look with me in chapter 2. And what time does is, time, time didn't change. How we experience time changes. If we're here and we're sitting up here in the third heaven, we are waiting for the day of redemption, aren't we? If we're down here, what are we doing? Waiting for the day of redemption. We're looking for it. The difference is no sin, sin. The bondage, corruption. The difference is, is in when this event happens, Guess what, we what did we just do? We started a new time, didn't we? We left the but now, and we went to the to come. And then over here, we're going to go ages without, world without end. This new will never end. Time will just keep on ticking. But it's ticking without the corruption, without the bondage. Follow that. You and I leave heaven. We don't stay in heaven. We leave this. We move over into heavenly places. And there's a reason why Paul moves the term, absent from the body, present with the Lord. He doesn't say you go to heaven. He says you go to heavenly places. So we're going to leave heaven and we're going to move into the heavenly places. Now, back over here, we have governmental structure that the Father puts us into. And the war cleans out the heavenly places. By the way, it's interesting in Ephesians 6 that Paul says we wrestle against flesh. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but spiritual wickedness in high places. Doesn't even say heavenly there. He says high places. That's fascinating. We'll get over into that when we look at it, okay? Those little different little ticks there. So one day we are going to leave heaven. 
but we're going to go into, we're leaving the third heaven, the presence of the Father, but where are we going? Heavenly places. We're going to go right out here. You got, that's government, by the way. Chalk. Don't blame it on the chalk, okay? Are you with what's going on here? And you know what? Time just keeps on ticking and ticking. Just without the bondage of, oh my goodness, it's 20 till 12. Is Rick done yet? Not till 20 after 12. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Are we, you know, Linda last night, should, are you hungry for dinner? Emily's not at home. She's staying at Ricky's house to watch the animals. And I'm sitting there going, not really. She's like, it is 8 o'clock at night. I go, okay, I guess we missed dinner, didn't we? <laughs> you know, do you say dinner or supper? Or lunch and dinner. How do you, you know, everybody says it different depending on what part of the country you're from, doesn't it? Everybody says breakfast, though. <laughs> okay. All right, Ephesians 2. Found Ephesians 2. Smells like grits. There you go. All right, Ephesians 2. Notice, if you will, here uh, just some things about this move, movement and the, the plan. And the movement into the heavenly places. When you and I move into the heavenly places, we're going to move into that perfect job that's designed for you. I've said it a couple times. Some of you have asked, what? What do you mean a job? i got more work to do? Yeah, but you got to do it without the what? The bondage of sin, of corruption. You're not working for the almighty dollar anymore. You're working for, well, you're working for the man. That's who you're working for. It's just the, 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 the real man. Ephesians 2, look at verse 4, if you will. Ephesians 2, verse 1. And you hath he quickened who were dead and trespasses and sins. So here you are. You come to life. You come to your history. Here's your history. You know what? When you look back across the history of your life, do you know who steps in the way? Calvary does. When you look back down through, I was reminiscing the other day with some folks I was visiting with about some things that we used to do as kids. But you know what was in the way of all that? Calvary. He steps right in the way of that. And he stops that history. Because the moment you trust Christ, you become what? You become this new identity in him. New, new, new. New history. New life. Yeah, but Rick, we just kept doing the same thing. We were kids. Yeah, but you had a new thing going on in you. You have a new history book, a new record. Chapter 2, verse 4, but God. Oh, boy, don't mess the but gods. Man, but God. By, by the way, you know, when we get to the heavenly places, when you get up into heaven, you don't have to worry about an unemployment benefit package. You don't a retirement. You don't have to worry about Benny. What's my Benny's? You know, do I get a pension or do I got to sign up for a 401k? You don't have to worry about any of that. Naked into the world you came. Naked you're gonna leave. Um, most of us are worried about our pension plans right now. 401k. You know, up there you don't. You don't have to worry about anything. There's gonna be this perfect job for you in the heavenly places. Chapter 2, verse 4, but God, who is rich in mercy. Man, I think about the riches, that word riches and rich. He, that he, 
according to the riches of his grace, according to the richness that you have in Christ. All those, just such wealth. For his great love wherewith he loved us. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. Boy, he, he went in Christ, that death, burial, and resurrection. That all-encompassing identity of Romans 6 that comes our way for who we are in his Son. Verse 6. And hath raised us up together. And there's my favorite word of late, made. You think about made. Were you and I, as humanity, made to sit in the heavenly places in our original creation? No. Not at all. We're of the earth, earthy, aren't we? We belong right here. The earth is man's, the heavens are the Lord's. You see, when he made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, he took us and he did something unnatural with the creation. You know what he did? He took our humanity and he made a new creature. He made a new man, a new species of humanity. We'll talk about pre us being prehistoric creatures. <laughs> That's who we are. Before the foundation of the world, you know what he said? This is what I'm going to do with humanity over here. We're going to sit together with him. He's made us sit together. I don't, think, I don't know if you've ever thought about that verse. He's raised us up, what, together, right there at Calvary, right? One day at the day of redemption, we're going to be raised up together. Then we're going to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We're going to participate just as we participate in his death, burial, and resurrection. We're going to participate now in the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ at the right hand of God the Father over the universe, the government of the heavenly places. That's going to be a job for you. That's going to be a tremendous time. If you come back up into chapter 1, you'll, you and I will go into that perfect job that fits this issue here of capacity for service that's coming our way based upon what we do right now in time. We're down here on the earth and we are learning. We are growing. We are being instructed, aren't we? We're being perfected. We're growing up. We're learning. We're moving. Because what we do today has an impact out there in eternity. Chapter 1, verse 19. We're going to come back to this passage next week. We're going to spend some time here in these verses. Verse 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead, and 
set him at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and hath put all things under his feet, and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all, the power that raised him from the dead. You want to see the power of God, you're going to look first at Calvary, at the issue of resurrection. And then you're going to look at, secondly, notice in verse 20 there, raised him from the dead and set him. There's two things going on there that demonstrate the exceeding mighty working of the power of God. One was resurrection. Don't you and I, aren't we waiting for that day of redemption, that resurrection? Why? How do we know that? How's the guarantee? Because of who we are in Christ. Because look at what he did with his son. He raised him from the dead. When he rolled back that stone off that tomb, it was a confirmation of who he was and that he was gone. It was nothing more than that. He could have left the stone there and said, yeah, he raised. And you know what man would have done for centuries? Prove it. So God just rolled it back to prove that he wasn't there. It's a confirmation. And then he set him. The power that raised him from the dead. The power that set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. Is the same power that works in us right now. Right here in time in life as we're walking through, waiting for the redemption of our body. That same power. Come over to Colossians chapter 2. You see, folks, we have this life now to live as we grow and as we learn and as we become sons, as we become adults, as we grow up and as we learn and grow, not in our position because that's who we are in Christ. We'll see that in just a second. But rather in our experience where we take who we are in Christ, bring it across the pages of his, of, of his word, learn what they are, look at them, and then go do them. And do them with delight. Do them with excitement. Do them with, well, you know what? I got to go to that job because I got a family to feed and I got to do this. Yeah, you got to go to the job to take care of yours. Sure, but why? Do you know that you can stay home now and make more money staying home and doing nothing than you can at the job? If you file the right unemployment statuses, you can because the government made it that way. Why in the world would you want to go and, and you make 840 bucks a week or whatever? To make $800 every two weeks. That's an $800 miss, isn't it? Now, that all ends. Don't get me wrong. But what does man do? Man figures out how to do what? As little as he possibly can. But what's the word of God say? He says, man, you go have that job, Ephesians 6. You do it unto who? Unto the Lord. You know why you go do that job? It may, you know, you may hate that job until you have a what? An attitude adjustment, as my dad would say. We're going to attitude adjust you, kid. Come here. No, what do you, you have a proper thinking. Paul says, I have been, I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I come along. Look, folks, 
The sky's falling all around us, figuratively speaking. You look at what's going on in this country, you look at what's going on around the world. Forget this country, just think about the world. And oh my goodness, doom, gloom, despair. You could be in a depressed state in a quick hurry. Unless you have what? A proper mindset. And he says, the power that gets you into the heavenly places, that gets you into the glory out there, is the same power working in you right now. And you know what your job's going to be? Whether you're one of the powers, principalities, powers, mights, whatever those you said, every other name that's named, you're going to do that with such great gusto. And you know what? You're going to do it now. You can do it now. Where did I tell you to go? Colossians 2? Okay. Verse 9. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all. I love that. He's the head of all. He's the head of that whole system listed for you back there in Ephesians 1 and here in Colossians 1 and verse 16 and 17, the thrones and the dominions and the principalities. He's the head of all those things. And you know what? You're complete in him. What a, man, what a way to stand right now in time. Isn't it great to be able to stand in the completeness of who you are in Christ rather than who you might be over here in your energy and your effort or in the energy and the effort of someone else that you're now having to depend on to come along and to say you're good to go? What a great standing it is. What great comfort it is to say, you know what, I'm... I got it all. They can burn the buildings down. They can throw you and I in jail. They can put a bullet in you. Because the government can do that. They got the sword. But you know what happens? What great confidence it is to go what? Absent from the body, present with the Lord. That doesn't mean run out there and do it quickly. <laughs> Colossians 4. It just means a way to think about this. Colossians 4. You see, folks, we got a job to do now. Grow up, learn, that when we get out there in the ages to come and when we're in those positions of authority, it's going to be just, it's going to be so wonderful. If you like the farm and you like the we, remember we saw those fruit trees? I think about Mr. Morgan and, and the, their place out in the West Valley and the trees and the farm. You like to do that, get out there in the dirt and play in the dirt? I usually like to play in the mud, but play in the dirt. You know what you're going to have? You're going to have that ability to do that in the heavenly places. Same environment, same thing going on. You'll just be in charge of it. That's why Paul scolds the Corinthians over there and says, don't you guys know how to judge the small matters here now? Don't you know you're going to judge angels? You're gonna, and judge not in barking orders, which is what everybody thinks about, but rather, what are we going to be up here? We're going to be servants, aren't we? That capacity of service, we're going we're gonna to be the ones in charge. By the way, the angels belong to who? Israel. They ascend and descend, Jacob's vision back there. 
They're moving up and down. They're the emissary. Colossians 4. There's some more stuff to think about. I told you this is big. Colossians 4, verse number 12. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that ye may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. Boy, what a, what a, what a viewpoint of life. To stand complete, to stand perfect, mature, have some maturity about it, complete in all the will of God. He's not talking about who you are in Christ. He's talking about taking that identity that we have in Christ, complete all of it, and and taking that and, and appropriating that into life so that when we look at life, you know what we can see? All the wonderful opportunities that we have for service for him. Folks, he's talking about the issue of growth, the issue of edification, the issue of appropriation, of taking. God has given us an identity in Christ. It's complete. It's all the spiritual blessings. It's all of that. He gave us a privilege to access and to appropriate that identity that he gave us right now, today, July 12th, 2020, into the details of life. Come back to Romans 5. We're to take that identity and we are to bring that identity in the the reality of our life and it's to be done by faith. That's how it's done. You and I, we have what great opportunity. Romans 5, verse 1, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. No longer are we at odds with Christ. Chapter 1, verse 18. By whom also, by the Lord Jesus Christ, we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand And rejoice in, notice that, hope of the glory of God. The details of life that come along. Come over with me to Philippians chapter 3. We have access. Our job, our identity is based upon who we are in Christ. And our job right now in time is going to be to take that and to put it into the details of this life we live now. What's our job going to be over here? Same thing. To take who you and I are in Christ and put it on display. Ephesians 2.7. Make it known. Manifest that. I told you Philippians, right? Look at Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2. I got five minutes. Hang on with me. Verse 7. That in the ages, again, ages, plural, one right after the next, right after the next, to come, after the next, after the next. By the way, that phrase, to come, is penned and belongs to John the Baptist in Matthew 3. That's where that comes from. Paul says, ages to come, 
he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us through Christ. You know what we're going to do out here for the ages to come? and to come in the world without end and over the time is we're going to do the same thing we've been doing back over here, which is taking who we are in Christ, that identity, Philippians 3 now, that identity, everything that we have, and we're putting it out there on display. So our job, we're not going to stay in heaven. We're going to move over into the heavenly places. The third heaven is going to come and sit down on, on earth over here, that city. And you know what we begin to do? We begin to do the job that we've been set to do, and we've been doing it now. We're in, we're in the OJT time, and we're going to go out there, and we're going to put it on display. And we do that by moving that identity of who we are in Christ and bringing it into the details of life. Philippians 3, verse number 7, Paul here, what wonder, I read this and, and it just, Sidlow Baxter's book, through the, through the Bible, and his section here about Philippians, says that after a, life, a, a 35 year life of serving the Lord, the Apostle Paul says this, Verse 7, but what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. All that religion, back up in verse 5 and 6, trusting the flesh. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ, and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Every verse in verse 8 is critical in this thinking. I count all things but loss for the excellency of the what? The knowledge of him. You and I right now, we're gaining the knowledge of him. Out over here, that bondage of time that bondage of corruption is gone. Our minds are opened up even more so as the knowledge comes in, then what begins to happen? It does with that verse. Hey, this is, I can know him even more and more. I am now conformable to the image of him. I, I can do it now in time, but I got this stinking flesh that gets in the way. But man, out here in the heavenly places, that's all gone. And what do I do? Well, what's my job? Put him on display. I can do it now. You know what I can do? I can do what verse 14 says. I press toward the mark. The prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. What's the prize? Not I, but Christ. He's the prize. I know people all oh, the judgment seat of Christ. Man, I'm gonna get my rewards, and I'm gonna. First of all, it's reward singular. I'm gonna have bullwinkles, moose rack, and all these crowns and all this stupid stuff. Bunch of religious malarkey. There's only one passage in Scripture that tells you what the reward is. And Paul says, "I, I get a reward." And you know what my reward? He says it to the Corinthians. My reward is a dispensation's been given to me. My reward is that when I preach Christ, it's of no charge to anyone. It's fascinating. 
Everybody's got these ideas. Oh, I'm going to get a better seat than you. Blah, blah, blah. You have no clue. You know what Paul says? My reward is to preach Christ for free. To stand on the corner and just preach Christ crucified and it be of no charge. That's my reward. Paul here, you know what? I want the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord and I want to win Christ. I'm going to do it here now in time. That's my job right now. Learn, grow, put it, bring it out, make, put it into reality and the details of your life. I tell you what, folks, you have a life that you live and that's your life that you live, but you can live it as who in the details of who you are in Christ. Because out here in the heavenly places, guess what you're doing? Same thing. As you sit in those governmental positions, administering the government, doing the governmental activities. Some of you have worked in government. <laughs> I did for about a month and a half and had enough of it. And you really quickly, you know, bureaucracy, you know. Red tape behind the yellow tape type stuff, all this stuff. You know, could you imagine government working without the curse of sin and the bondage on it? The prophets say that when Christ sits on the throne, justice and peace sit with him. We want peace, no justice, no peace, peace. You know what? They're not wanting the peace that the God of the Bible is going to bring. So as we leave heaven this morning, and we're now going to move to the heavenly places, we will have a job there that will fit us perfectly. Because right now, what are we learning? We're learning about that job. So let's go to the heavenly places. And let's go look at that. So we'll spend a couple weeks looking in, around there. We've done some of it already, but we'll do some more, okay? All right. Dearly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. And above all, Lord, we thank you for who we are in your son. We thank you that you have given us all sufficiency, all grace, all things, all the spiritual blessings. That we're lacking nothing as a present possession right here, right now in time that we can then go and win Christ, win you, and be there as who we are in our lives, on the, on, the, on, the life, on the stage of our lives as we live now, as we go and do. We would be your ambassadors. And we would rejoice in that, and we would look forward to doing that job on a daily basis. In your name we pray. Amen.